This is Anglia, an audio drama from the Alternative Stories and Fake Realities podcast. Part 4, Endings. published today, a leading climate scientist says that the impacts of man-made global warming on our planet are now irreversible. Speaking at the United Nations building in New York, Jan Holmstrom from the World Climate Institute said forest fires that began in 2019 triggered a runaway effect, with more carbon finding its way into the atmosphere, causing more fires in subsequent years, and resulting in even greater quantities of greenhouse gases being released. Holmstrom said that the world is now in a phase of mitigating the impacts rather than fighting the causes of climate change and warned that if damage to the atmosphere continues at this current rate, up to three-quarters of the world's land area will be effectively uninhabitable by 2050. When the east wind blows across the fence, you can feel the mood of the locals change. With no high ground to act as a break, the wind comes in straight from the North Sea, straight from Scandinavia, straight from Russia. In winter, it's much colder wind, and the older folk always say that the east wind blows no good. In December, January and February, When the wind blows that way, there'll be snow. And often, not just a dusting. Locals button their coats to the top and put on scarves and hats. But the cold wind still bites through you. Today, the wind has really got up and changed direction, so it's coming from the east. I think of David out in the boat. Hear the window frame rattle with each gust. Hear the wind singing in the phone wires in the lane outside the cottage. I'm working on the bar of the Green Dragon tonight, and it's really quiet. So I knock on Rachel's door to see if she fancies a drink of me in the bar. The hours drag when David's out of sea and I feel like I need company. I knock a couple of times, maybe half an hour, and knock again, but there's no reply. Hello, the Green Dragon. 
Rachel Woods. I believe she's staying there this week. She's not here at the moment, I'm afraid. Can I get her to call you when I see her? Did you try a mobile? Yeah, I did try, but there was no answer. It just went straight to voicemail. If you could get her to call me, that would be great. My name's Laura Michaels. Yes, will do, Laura. Thanks. Evening, Jack. How are you tonight? Wind's really getting up out there. East wind, too. Don't. David's out on the trawler tonight. I hate it when the weather turns when he's at sea. I'd rather him than me. Give us a pint of best, would you please, love? That's time, please, ladies and gents. Let's have your glasses. And I realise I haven't seen Rachel come in. She'd have to walk through the bar to get to the stairs at the back that lead up to the rooms. She'd have been sure to say hello if she knew I was working on the bar. I clear up, uh, usher out the last few locals and creep upstairs for one last tap on Rachel's door. Maybe she was asleep when I knocked earlier. Maybe she had her headphones on and didn't hear me. Rachel? 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 (sighs) But nothing. I lock up the bar and walk back to the cottage on my own. The treetops are bending alarmingly in the wind. The weather vane on the church spire spinning in the gusts. I wonder if I'll manage to sleep tonight. (laughs) What if the wind and thinking about David and... Where on earth Rachel might be? in a gale. I guess I love those things, knowing that I can be warm and dry at home inside half an hour if it starts to get really bad. Not like being out in a trawler or camping out in a flimsy tent. I set out this morning with this ominous, heavy feeling in the pit of my stomach. I think of David out there on the sea, 
I think of Awara and her friends camping in the woods. And Rachel, wherever she might be. Everything seems perilous and uncertain. A queasy, uneasy feeling. Nothing I can control, nothing I can do anything about other than worry. I felt like this before my school exams. The night before my father died. The night before our wedding. I've gathered a few items of food, juiced up a portable charger and put a couple of large bottles of water into my rucksack to take to the tiny camp in the woods. I can hardly keep myself in a straight line as I walk out across the fen towards the distant wood. Crows and ravens, like crazy kites, dart and shear across the path in front of me. The wind roars in my ears, and as I draw close, I can see the treetops bending almost double, hear the storm howling through the leaves and branches. As I enter the wood, I immediately know something is wrong. Two sets of tire tracks have ripped open the soft, earthy soil of the main path into the wood. I can see tents torn down, possessions strewn across the clearing, boot marks and the signs of something being dragged through the mud away from the camp. I imagine Awara's terror. Her children screaming and crying as the thugs, government thugs or thugs acting of their own volition, smashed up the camp and bundled its occupants into vans to be taken God knows where. I sink to my knees, sink into the mud with the storm roaring around me and sob uncontrollably. I'm trying to reach Rachel Woods, please. No. No, she was definitely staying there. I spoke to someone that sounded like you a couple of days ago who told me that she wasn't in her room, so that would suggest she was there then. What do you mean she never checked in there? I know she was there. I've spoken to her on this number at least ten times over the last week. Look, could you... Call me back, please. I need to speak to someone who was aware that Rachel was actually staying there. Thank you. Hey, Jen, can you do me a favor? I need you to see if you can contact local police where Rachel was staying in England and report her missing, please. Yeah, I've spoken to the place she was staying and they're denying she was ever there. I'd be happy to speak to the police if they need more detail. Get back to me and let me know what you find. Willow, what have you found out? 
Hey, Laura, I've just spoken to the local police, and they say they have no reports of any missing people and no record of anyone having reported Rachel missing. I gave them Rachel's description and asked them to look into it, but they didn't seem very interested. They said maybe she just doesn't want to speak to us. Oh, for God's sakes, that's ridiculous. Leave me the number and I'll phone them myself later. Hey, Matt. Yeah, it's Laura. I need you to pull the Rachel Woods piece from today's lunchtime show. I know, I know, I'm really sorry, but she's missing. We have no clue where she is, and until I get to speak to her, I don't want anything of hers going out. Sure, the moment I hear from her, I'll get back to you. Probably just a misunderstanding and me being paranoid, so please just bear with me. Thanks, Matt. I owe you one. Come on, Rachel. Call me, please. did you do to her? What did you do to Rachel? I told you, she fell overboard. You heard the wind last night. The, the boat was pitching and tossing like I've never seen before. She, she was out on deck and this wave just came over us and... Why wasn't she wearing a harness for God's sake? How was she allowed out on deck in a gale not wearing a harness? This is going to look terrible when they investigate it, David. The skipper will lose his safety licence. You'll lose your job. And how are we going to make ends meet then? How could you not have looked after her? She was my friend. I really liked her. Liz, there's not going to be an investigation. It's all sorted. What do you mean it's all sorted? How can it be all sorted? Someone's died, David. My friend has died. Missing. Only missing so far, Millie. Oh, for God's sake, of course she's dead. Was she wearing a life vest? Was she a strong swimmer? She fell into a raging sea, David. Of course she's dead. Well, maybe. Probably, but it's all sorted. We had a government official on the boat. It's in his best interest to hush up what went on. Hush up what went on? What do you mean? You can't hush up someone's death. People will be looking for her. Her editor back in New York is wanting to know where she is. Her family will want to know about her. David, you can't just keep this quiet. So you want me to lose my job? Want us to be destitute? We couldn't afford to keep up payments on the cottage on your pay alone. The money I get from the odd job work is just pocket money compared to what I get for fishing. 
I'm calling the police. I don't care about the consequences. Someone has died and the police need to know. Pick up that phone and I'll... Millie, listen. The police know about it and are turning a blind eye. PC Harris's brother Joe was on the crew last night. The government guy, Davis, has spoken with the Kings Lynn police station and it's all sorted. How can it be all sorted when someone has died, David? She stayed here for a week. People would have seen her. People have short memories. There's a long tradition of travellers just disappearing in the fens. Don't give me that crap, David. You disrespect the traditions of this place and its folklore by using it to justify your small-minded attitudes. This is the real world. Someone has died. You know what she was saying about us, don't you? Saying we were mistreating the migrants. Painting us as a, as a bunch of thick racists. It was all about the migrants and nothing about us. So, because she was saying what she found, just doing her job as a journalist, she deserved to die. I'm not saying she deserved it. Just that lots of people around here won't be sorry she's gone. They may not, but I will. She was... She was lovely. Green Dragon. Hello, can I speak to Rachel Woods, please? I'm sorry, there's no one of that name here. Wait, she's a guest there. You have a guest staying there called Rachel Woods. She's American, blonde hair, a journalist. No, sorry. I'm sure I would have remembered an American. You're kidding me. I spoke to you just a couple of days ago and you told me she wasn't in her room, implying she had a room there. Stop messing with me. Where is she? No. Sorry. (laughs) Oh, God, Rachel. I'm so sorry, Rachel. Oh, God, Rachel. Have you ever walked somewhere and felt the hands of your ancestors on your shoulder? Their presence, all around you like a tangible force as real as the trees and hedges, the mud beneath your feet, the sky above you? Have you ever felt that there's something there that you can't see or touch but can feel? The spirits and the entities that inhabit the fens and marshes can make strange things happen can make the weird and extraordinary seem normal. The supernatural seem commonplace. 
The disappearance of a traveller is sad, of course, but everyone knows that people do vanish here. The locals raise an eyebrow, perhaps, but they aren't really surprised. It's happened for decades, centuries, and it will keep on happening. It's just the way of the fence. The storms of the last couple of days broke the dike at Gedney and the sea rushed in flooding acres and acres across the Lindsay levels. Three farms, two villages, gone, wiped from the map in a moment. We may be losing these battles to the sea and to the migrants and maybe even to public opinion. We may be in retreat, but we won't stop fighting. We'll never stop fighting. Hello, uh, may I speak to the newsroom? Yes, I need the postal address of your offices, please. Got it. Thank you. My name? Doesn't matter. Oh, a letter here for Laura. Snail mail. That's interesting. It's Rachel's writing. One of the women from the pub took me for a walk one morning. She said there was something I had to see, but that I was to keep it a secret. She led me across the fields to a wood where my friend showed me a small encampment of refugees. Kurds from northern Iraq who had made the perilous journey across two continents and then braved the North Sea in a tiny boat to reach shore. I spoke to a woman called Awira, a medical doctor who had fled her homeland along with her husband and two children. Their friends included an architect, a writer, a second doctor. And here they were, cowering in this cold, windswept woodland in eastern England, terrified of being thrown into jail in a country desperate for the very skills they possessed. We compared our respective statuses. I too was a woman far from home, but because my skin was white and because I was a citizen of a so-called friendly state, I was welcomed here. For Awara and her family, the future was only bleak. The chain of migrant processing camps all along the east coast of England act as detention centers for those entering the country illegally. Entering the country without appropriate permissions is deemed a crime, and therefore, all migrants arriving by boat are seen by the UK government as criminals and therefore due for deportation 
to their country of origin, regardless of their status as refugees or asylum seekers. It's a sick case of Catch-22, a kind of legal original sin. They know that the applications via the prescribed route will take years and be met with a blanket rejection. Yet to turn up without permission will result in criminalization or deportation. Effectively, Britain's government has closed its border to most nationalities. My message is that we'll be watching you. systems are collapsing. We are in the beginning of a mass extinction and all you can talk about is money and fairy tales of eternal economic growth. How dare you? For more than 30 years the science has been crystal clear. How dare you continue to look away and come here saying that you're doing enough when the politics and solutions needed are still nowhere in sight. You say you hear us and that you understand the urgency. But no matter how sad and angry I am, I do not want to believe that. Because if you really understood the situation and still kept on failing to act, then you would be evil, and that I refuse to believe. The popular idea of cutting our emissions in half in 10 years only gives us a 50% chance of staying below 1.5 degrees and the risk of setting off irreversible chain reactions beyond human control. 50% may be acceptable to you, but those numbers do not include tipping points, most feedback loops, additional warming hidden by toxic air pollution or the aspects of equity and climate justice. They also rely on my generation sucking hundreds of billions of tons of your CO2 out of the air with technologies that barely exist. So a 50% risk is simply not acceptable to us we who have to live with the consequences. To have a 67% chance of staying below a 1.5 degrees of global temperature rise, the best odds given by the IPCC, the world had 420 gigatons of CO2 left to emit back on January 1st, 2018. Today that figure is already down to less than 350 gigatons. 
How dare you pretend that this can be sold with just business as usual and some technical solutions? With today's emissions levels, that remaining CO2 budget will be entirely gone within less than eight and a half years. There will not be any solutions or plans presented in line with these figures here today because these numbers are too uncomfortable and you are still not mature enough to tell it like it is. You are failing us, but the young people are starting to understand your betrayal. The eyes of all future generations are upon you. And if you choose to fail us, I say we will never forgive you. We will not let you get away with this. Right here, right now, is where we draw the line. The world is waking up. And change is coming, whether you like it or not. Thank you. In Anglia Part 4, Endings, Jackie Jorgensen was Rachel, Tiffany Clare was Millie, Saya Sahawi played Awera, Charlie Richards was David, Catherine Daddario played Laura, and Kelly Winkler was Willa. Davis and other characters were played by Chris Gregory. The original music score was written and performed by Chris Gregory and published by Scared Crow Music. Sound effects were from freesound.org. The ANN News Jingle was written and performed by Stonefree. The presenter is Kelly Winkler. You heard an excerpt from the speech by Greta Thunberg to the United Nations Climate Action Summit on September 23, 2019. Anglia is an Alternative Stories 2019 production for the Alternative Stories and Fake Realities podcast. Please join us next week for a special edition of the podcast featuring English author Mary J. Oliver. We'll be featuring extracts and episodes from Mary's new book, Jim Neat, The Case of a Young Man Down on His Luck, which is part historical drama, part travel diary, and part poetry collection, and based on the real-life story of Mary's father. We would like to extend our thanks and gratitude to our valued beta listeners, Caroline Minx, Cheyenne Bramwell, Naris Howell, Melissa Welch, and Ruth Ann Reed, 
who have done marvelous work in spotting errors and correcting glitches throughout the four episodes of Anglia. If you have enjoyed listening to Anglia, please check out our other content and hear what we do the next day we release it by subscribing to the podcast in your favorite podcast app. We're available on all major apps, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Podchaser. If you feel able to give us a rating and review, we would be hugely grateful to you. In each episode of Anglia, we have ended with a recommendation for another podcast. So far, we have mentioned The Room Podcast from British podcaster Aidan Rosewell, Scary Stories from Modern Minds by Caroline Minx, and our fellow anthology drama podcast, Gotham Variety. This week, it is our great pleasure to point you in the direction of Constance, which is a fiction anthology podcast. Each episode contains a one-off short fiction story by writer and podcast creator, Sean Habor. The stories will confuse and confound. They are sometimes disturbing, sometimes disorienting, but always intriguing and entertaining. The show also boasts one of the great podcast theme tunes, so listen for that and I guarantee you will be hooked. Check out Constance on all major podcast apps and drop Sean a line on Twitter, where the podcast posts as at ConstancePod. You can also visit their website, ConstancePodcast.com. Thank you for listening to the Alternative Stories and Fake Realities Podcast.